Check out We Are Calvin football podcast in association with McAvoy's Super Value, Virginia. Real food, real people. Try Super Value's own range in store today. Quality products at one third the price of branded labels. McAvoy Super Value, Virginia. Supporting local. We are Cavan Podcast. Because Cavan's not just a place, it's a people. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another edition of the McAvoy Super Value GEA podcast brought to you by We Are Cavan. On this Christmas week the GEA stories keep on coming and hope you're all enjoying the uh, the holidays and, and getting ready for Santa Claus. I know there's a lot of Cavan players expecting big stockings after being so good this year. Don't forget to check out our Diehards podcast over on Patreon.com forward slash we are Cavan where we'll have the wackies as well as a set of bloopers some mistakes I know it sounds mad but we do actually make some mistakes on the podcast and uh, you, you can hear that over on patreon.com forward slash we are Cavan okay so I'm delighted to be joined on the line by the author of the uh, Cavan's latest GA book and, and, and a wonderful um, addition to the history of Cavan GA. It's called The Gallant John Joe, Cavan's Millennium Man, and it's been written by George Cartwright. Um, George, thanks for, for coming on to us. I suppose um, everybody would know you from your history through the GA. You're, you're a former chairman of Cavan GA. You've been steeped in GA all your life. But what possessed you to write this book? Thanks, Damien. <laughs> possessed me is right. Uh, I suppose a number of reasons. I grew up a couple of miles away from where John Joe would have grown up, his home place. And as a, as a young boy, I heard a lot about him from my dad and I heard plenty about him from my neighbours. I went to the same national school, Corliss, which is a small <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> two-teacher school that he went to. And uh, I suppose... As I grew older, I got to appreciate what he had achieved. You know, Captain and Cavan to two All-Ireland uh, final wins and uh, playing with Colonel Fane, going to the army, his career in the army. But when I thought about it, very, very few people in Colonel Fane and indeed in Cavan knew much about him other than those statistics and I suppose the reason for that was he went away when he was 19 years of age. The rest, the 15 years, next 15 years of his life until he passed away was spent in Kildare. So his story was almost gone. And uh, I thought it was a pity for the, the young generation in particular. Uh, and, he, you know, he's 68 years dead there in November. So if another 10 years, another decade went by, there'd be nobody around that would have remembered him. So I thought it was uh, maybe important to record his story for posterity, and I think that's what I tried to do. And 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 in doing so, you, you've left no stone unturned. I have to say, um, in in getting speaking to people who recall John Joe, who 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 would have lived 
maybe at their earlier stages in their life, but lived through John Joe and, and his, his many successes, mainly on the field, but obviously very successful in the army and in his career yeah. down in the Curragh. But how important was, was getting talking to those people? And, and I suppose how enjoyable <coughs> or how interesting was it? Well, I think, Damien, that was the most important thing. And I think that any of the, the positives about the book, I think that's the one that stands out. You can read facts and you can read information and you can read records about games he played and so on and so forth. They are, they are written, they are sources that are written, but an oral source, like somebody who played with them, as in Johnny Cusick, Lord of Mercy and, him, and Paddy Carlin, men that played alongside him in Kildare, uh, men that he, he trained, men that knew him, just knew him, knew him as a friend, or maybe didn't know him as a friend, but just admired him, but saw him play. Mm. Uh, I think it was great to be able to meet those people and record them, record their memories, and edit them into the story, because I think that it, it brings history alive, you know? It, it yeah. enhances the story, and I think that that's what I set out to do, incorporate, <clears throat> meet as many people, as I could, that knew him. And I mean, there, there's few and far between now because many of them are gone to their eternal reward. But any of them that I was able to get to record them and, as I said, incorporate them into the story, I think that it brings the, the, the story of John Joe alive. Yeah, it definitely does. He's described a lot in the book as, as a role model. You know, and, and, and I, I think back to it, I suppose you look at his successes on the field, as you said, the two All-Irelands as captain in 47-48, 10 Ulster titles, uh, the Ulster Junior Championship, Railway Cup captain three times. And as you go through the role of honour, all those statistics, the one phrase that continually or the one word that continually comes back up again is captain. So he, he was he was... Mm. identified and in any group he went to he appeared to take on a leadership role yeah absolutely Damien and that's the one statistic one thing that's remembered more so about him than anything else uh, if you ask like growing up if you ask somebody here about him that remembered him or knew him they'd say well he won such and such they might refer to that but more importantly they would tell you he was a great leader of men and I think that's the the one trait of his personality that stands out more than anything else when people talk about him or reflect on him or lucky enough people that knew him. It's not so much what he won. We know what he won and we know he was a great athlete. He was a great footballer, but more so his leadership qualities. And as you rightly pointed out, he was captain of every team almost at one with the, with the exception of, of the Cornifane uh, teams, yeah. two teams that won championships because he was only 17 or 18 at the time. But uh, in, with Cavan, with the Army Corps teams, with Railway Cup teams, so on and so forth. He was captain. In fact, he would have been captain of the Cavan team earlier, only his brother, Big Tom, was captain. And he had to almost wait until Big Tom, uh, the captaincy was, was taken from Big Tom when he retired, obviously, or shortly before it, to allow John Joe step up to the mantle as captain. And then he went on to captain the Cavan teams in the glorious era. Now, I mentioned, obviously, and you rightly said, his leadership qualities, they stand out. Another quality of the man that stands out 
he was a gentleman and most people that ever again reflect on him or remember them or knew him personally maybe off the field knew him in the army with no connection to the GA would reflect and remember him as a gentleman uh, great on the field as regards his his sportsmanship by all means he was a huge and fierce competitor but he never reverted to foul play he never was booked I suppose uh, that I've ever heard of and he certainly wasn't ever put off or, or he never served a suspension he was uh, humble as the saying goes uh, gracious in victory and humble in, in defeat and uh, or the other way around <laughs> humble in victory and gracious in defeat and uh, that was a trademark. He, he, you know, if you're beaten by a better team, that's it, you know. I, of course, I, he was a, a leader in the army and uh, that he had a huge role in the army and he was a leader there. And of course, that, uh, you know, that, that went hand in hand with his leadership was on the football field. I suppose one, one of, when, when you do talk about the, the gentleman or, or, or the humility of the man when he, when he was asked, boarding to play in, in Shannon, I love this piece um, from Tony Miles that was in the Irish press that you, that you pulled out. But basically, yeah. when he was asked about what way the, the game would go, he said, well, look, with Cavan and Kerry, and I'm, I'm powerphrasing here, but with Cavan and Kerry, you can never really tell, but one thing's for sure, we're going to do our country proud or we won't let our country down, something like that. And it just, yeah. it was that sort of a, that, you know, it was a unique way of answering a question. It was, it was. And I suppose his army training uh, in no small way fed into that. And that was reflected maybe in that, those few words that he said, because he had a huge role in the army at a very, very difficult time in our country's history during the emergency when there was a lot of fear there, obviously. I mean, fear of, of German invasion, maybe, or of what, what could actually happen and the role that the army might have had to play. So it was a difficult time for, for the people in the army, a difficult time for their families and parents of the young men in the army. But he was a leader in the army and he rose up very quickly through the ranks of the army. And I'd say that, obviously, as I said, that dovetailed with his leadership on the football field. So I'm not surprised when you when you study the whole thing that that was the answer that he, he came out with that that day that he quote he was quoted by tony miles it was and again going back to the leadership i i, I from reading the book and i wasn't i wasn't fully aware but obviously i, I knew of his brother um having having played and, and, and been so successful Kevin, but his father before him as well, which was, I suppose, maybe to have that, those role models in his own life <clears throat> made it maybe just a, a gradual progression almost within the family. Yeah, absolutely. Like his father, John, was a goalkeeper and he also was a centre half back, but he was a centre half back mostly with, with Cornifane, but he was a goalkeeper with Cavan and his uncle, Benny, known as Benny the Lane, also. Uh, played and both men captained the Cavan team. So then his his mother's people as well, they were all footballers. So it was in the it was in the gene pool, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and it was, I suppose, to be expected. His older brothers like played as well. Uh, some maybe not as Brian, like Father Brian, who was a priest, uh, he was by all accounts and by people who remember him, a great footballer. 
he played a very small bit with Colonel Fane and Cavan for the simple reason he was away uh, training. To, he was a minute, uh, going on to be a priest, and then when he when he was ordained, he spent most of his life in America. But uh, Big Tom told me himself uh, many years later that Brian had the potential to be as good as John Joe, but uh, obviously. His vocation took him elsewhere, and uh, mm. he left the football behind. Like like a lot of other men, uh, Cavan football, and indeed the football of other country, counties, is well uh, documented. People who uh, became priests and were forced, I suppose, but it's not so much that they were forced; it was their vocation, and they didn't object. They went off to the to serve in the missions and serve abroad, and the football career came to an end. Yeah, look, looking back to I suppose his early life and, and in, in national school, as you said in Corliss, he was he was identified even at that stage yeah. as being a leader. He he qualified uh, for a scholarship into St Pat's, and then in there, I suppose the, the influential father Rudden had had his hand all over it, that football was always going to be a part of it, wasn't it? Ah, yeah. He, you know, when he went into St. Pat's on the scholarship, a couple of things came together. Father, uh, the president, uh, Father Rudden, as, as you said, uh, was a great GA man, uh, great, a great calf member of county finals, uh, which was you know, something at the time. And he was interested in promoting the game along with Father McNiff, who was another man who had a strong interest and commitment to football. And a lot of, uh, a few men came in at the same time, as I said, John Joe, uh, Harry Butcher from Arva and T.P. O'Reilly from Drum Lane. So that's, they stand out. There were a lot of others, but uh, the, the talent was there and all they needed was uh, men to, to, to direct them and to foster the, the, the love and that of the game in the college. And that was there. So them men as boarders in there and, and uh, men at the top, as in Father Rudden, president, that uh, had a keen interest in the GA and keen in promoting the college and promoting uh, the, the teams in Ulster. Um, it, it was a, an opportune time. And as we know, Cavan had a great run Sorry, St. Pat's had a great run of successes in Ulster in the 30s. And foot uh, was in a the high there. And the one three McRory Cups in a row. And John Joe captained, the, Father Harry Butcher captained one of the teams. And um, John Joe captained the, the team in his final year. And another competition at the time that was very uh, prestigious was the interprovincial colleges competitions, which was akin to the Railway Cup, the best in Ulster colleges and the best in Munster colleges, Leinster colleges and Connacht colleges, so on and so forth were picked and they played each other. <clears throat> and that was hugely prestigious uh, to, to be playing on that team and to be winning with that team. It was akin to winning All-Ireland. And uh, some of the Ulster colleges matches were in Breffney Park uh, against Leinster's, for example. And uh, Oh, look at the standard. It was great football and the standard was very high. But what a, what a training ground it was. What experience it was for the like of uh, young men that were very good footballers as like John Joe. And of course, John Joe captained those teams as well. So he was already made when he left uh, St. Pat's. He was ready made for county football. It was to be expected that he would follow because of the 
his, his, you know, the family, both on his father and his mother's side, football was there. And he played, of course, with, with uh, Calvin when he was still in St. Pat's. But uh, it was generally expected that he would be a footballer. Big Tom told me that himself. He said he was, a, I was a son of my father's and I was expected to be a footballer. And, uh, you know, I was pushed nearly onto a football field at a very young age, which <laughs> he, he was. He was being very, very bad. He had the ability, of course, you know, of course. Brady's Arva Limited, main dealers for Volkswagen cars and commercial vehicles, have been serving the needs of the motoring community in Cavan, Longford, Leitrim, Monaghan, Mead and the surrounding counties for over 50 years. A family-owned and family-run business, Brady's are famous for their long association with the GAA. If you're looking for a new or used car or commercial vehicle, check out Brady's Arva Limited. They provide an unrivaled sales and after-sales service and are open six days a week. Brady's Arva Limited. Get on the winning team today. See www.bradysarva.ie for more details. What was very interesting for me, obviously, um, when, when he passed away, he was resident in Kildare, um, uh, obviously working in the Cora, but the, the, the description of his journey back to Kilishandra to his final resting place of the, the people of Mead and the people of Cavan coming out, lining the roads, lining the crossroads, um, you know, such was, such was the level that he was held, the level of esteem he was held in all counties, not just in Cavan. Um, you know, I suppose that wasn't a normal thing in those days. Oh, his... Funeral was, uh, you know, special, I suppose. And, and the thing about it is, nowadays, you know, debt notices are on this, that, and the other, and Northern Sound and RAP, and everybody knows about them, and so on and so forth. John Joe's debt was announced on Saturday morning, and his removal was that evening uh, from the hospital to the Cora, and his funeral was the next day. So. It all happened quickly, very, very quickly, shockingly quickly. And uh, yes, but uh, it is a, ma- a measure of, of the love and respect there was for the man that uh, his crowds lined right through Mead and through, you know, there was no bypasses then, no motorways. Every, every town, the, the, the cartage went through and people were out. And of course, in, in Cavan Town, uh, obviously out the Dublin Road and it stopped, the cortege stopped at Breffley Park and on the way then on to the burial ground in Kilishandra. And in Kilishandra there was, they were there from all over Ireland. There was people there from Donegal, Mayo, a lot of the Ulster counties were represented. And uh, I suppose there was a lot of onlookers there as well, naturally enough. But uh, I often talk to, to uh you know, I remember when I was younger talking to older people and <clears throat> some of them just uh, younger people and children lined up at, at, at the road on the way to Kilishandra. They wouldn't have been brought to the funeral uh, because of the crowd and so on and so forth. But they would have lined up, we'll say, from Cristoni on and down towards Kilishandra. Children, just children, very young. And some of them remember it, uh, recall it and... Uh, I remember being, I was only four or five and I was brought over and, and uh, we were on the road or we stood out at the house when the, the funeral was going down. And that would never happen for anybody else. His funeral was, uh, well, it was, it was so tragic, I suppose, as well as everything else, you know. <clears throat> yeah, it, I, I suppose him being brought back to 
Kilishandra was 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 lovely, even though he, he as you said, he was fourteen years, I think, in in Kildare at that point. But to to be laid amongst the the people of Cavan and, and I suppose to have our our own um, legendary status, you know, the, the man himself to be buried in Cavan. But he he always held Cavan, obviously, in as his home, and and oh, right Ross, up until he yes. died. Absolutely, there's no doubt about that, uh, Damien. Like his loyalty to the Cavan team and the jersey was exceptional and um, coming down every, every, for every match from the, the Cora, it was the big ask uh, at the time. Uh, and, uh, but there was an O'Connell man uh, who did Hackney work and from Kilcullen and uh, he used to drive Simon Down and Degnan and John Joe and a few of the, the, the Cavan players down and uh, that to matches and that. But I suppose uh, he was in good shape. Collective training, you know, it's not like nowadays, there was so much training. Um, there was really, Cavan only trained in latter years for the Ulster final. Before that, they only really came together for the All-Ireland semi-final. Now, that's not saying that they weren't in good shape because a lot of them were, were naturally very fit from work of all kinds. And uh, John Joe obviously was very fit from his army army uh, career and his army work. But uh, his loyalty to the Cavan jersey was never questioned at any stage. And, uh, you know, he always came back. And we've often said uh, his loss to Cavan football uh, was immeasurable because, uh, for example, even when he retired, the addition he might have been at a later stage as a coach, trainer, manager, so on and so forth. Uh, just a guiding light, uh, an example to young players would have been fantastic, but it's not to be. And of course, what his own personal career uh, could have taken him, uh, many people in the, the know would have said that he would have made probably a chief of staff in the army, which would have been I suppose the most, or among the most prestigious roles in the army, and uh, he certainly looked like a man with his experience and his abilities in the army that he was destined for a role for something like that, for promotion like that. But it was never to be, as he died at thirty-four years of age, very young age. Mm, it was, and I suppose when when I was reading over reading in the book, something that I wasn't aware of either before was that. Obviously, he had. Uh, I think I'm right in saying four children, but he named the was was Breffney the eldest. Yes, yes, Breffney was the eldest. It, yeah, it, it really yeah, so. st- stands out. <laughs> I think so. It definitely does. And uh, Breffney would have grown up in Kildare, and he, he there was no mistaking <laughs> where where the name came from. Anyway, you know. Yeah, it was phenomenal. Yeah, no Another- mistaking. Another part of of the book that I love, and and this was at, at it's the appendix at the end where you you dug out something. It was from I think uh, the reopening of Breffney Park on um, yes. 1952, and he wrote a piece yeah. for that program um, called yes. Physical Fitness, which which I absolutely yes. love. But there's there's one line I want to I want to just bring up, and I think this kind of sums up the man. He says the, the, the will to win, the ability to stick it and play harder when extreme fatigue is urging him to relax his efforts is something which yes. every player should possess and should cultivate during his training. I just think that, that that says so much about the man himself that he, he, he would put himself through training 
to be in a difficult position. It, it just, it, it stands out that he's, uh, he obviously was very in tune with his body. Yeah, I think, I think you summed it up so well there, Damien. Um, it was great to get that piece. Yeah, as you said, it was uh, in the, the programme for the reopening of Breffney in 1952, the last time he actually, the last time he actually played for Cavan. But uh, yeah, it's only just one page, or a page and a half, whatever page or and a half of, of uh, or a page of, of what he wrote for the programme. But there's a, lot, there's a lot in it. And obviously, I think the last line in it uh, where he says, some people say, uh, get, uh, take up football to get, you know, fit. To I, fit. I, he says, yeah, you know, I thought that it was, uh, I, say I thought get, again. I say get fit before get, taking up football. Yeah, football. And I think that that's often quoted as well. So it is, you know, uh, it's two pages, but it's, it's a nice two pages. Yeah, his last line, you know, take up. Some people say take up football to get fit. I say get fit before taking up football. <laughs> but uh, it just shows the the way he was thinking at the time. But the quote that you read there, I have often thought about it myself. It uh, a lot of advice there for uh, somebody preparing a team. A lot of advice, just a simple quote, but uh, yeah. a lot a big a big big message in it. And 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 the point being, even at that point, like he right, he was thirty four years of age uh, you know but it, it was something that maybe a, a, a man a lot more senior would come out with and and you kind of get the impression from reading the book though that he was regularly coming out with these sorts of 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 leadership quotes that i'd say he'd have been a, he'd have been an anthony robbins uh, gold mine for him if, if it was all documented yeah well he was like obviously he was a his first and foremost, and he was only 34 years a player, but he had actually done a lot of coaching and a lot of managing, uh, well, not maybe managing, but helping, helping. Like when he retired initially, he, he, he was invited up to Donegal and he spent a week up there on the, in the Donegal Gaeltuck and Marigallan Strand training the Donegal team in preparation for the National League semi-final against Cork. And uh, then in Kildare, he was asked a lot to help with teams and, coach teams and so on and so forth which he did um, there was a couple of teams that he was involved with and then of course um, he was involved helped with the training with Cavan uh, he, he seemed to have a very good relationship with, with Huey, Smith, Huey Riley, mm. the Cavan manager, he spent um, that, that summer when Cavan were preparing for the, the All-Ireland uh, final, uh, you know, in 1952 he was there in Breffney Park at the trainings and uh, he was either playing to make up the numbers or he was helping to train or he was talking to them. He was invited back into the panel uh, in early 52 and uh, he was supposed to be coming back. The rumour was he was coming back. He was there, but he never came back, if you know what I mean. Never mm. came back as a player because he wasn't, his health wasn't good. And uh, certainly after May, when he picked up that bit of an injury, uh, that was it. Uh, but he was there. He was he was involved in you know he was in the dressing room after the games or before I don't know. He was close to the close to the Correct. team. And he, even though he was in poor health, but a lot of people didn't know he was in. You know, certainly a lot of the players wouldn't have known he was he wasn't in good health at the time. Yeah. You know. Yeah. The the, the 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 story of 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 the um how he he ended up to 
um, to his death was is 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 gripping. And we'll not go into it too much. We we'll let people read that one, but it's um it's it's a tragedy of of uh, unthinkable. I suppose in in modern football, you wouldn't think that anything could such a thing could happen. This is on his deathbed, is it? At a journey, or at the match, like? Or well, the match, the match, the uh, match. Oh yeah. Well, look at uh, Damien. It, that injury has never really been documented very well. So it could, for all intents and purposes, been, could, could have been accidental, you know. I mean, mm. he, he could have been... Uh, you often hear of, of players, as one of my own club here about 20 years ago, uh, picked up an injury and uh, had to get a kidney removed after it. You know, uh, it can happen. It can happen. And that was accidental. So... Look, at the, there was always, it was always physical in some of the games in Kildare. And John Joe was a a well-known referee and, uh, you know, he was refereeing teams uh, and then the fans on the, or the son that previously he, he'd be playing with the Cora against these teams. And uh, I suppose maybe if you put off a fella or penalised a fella, well, if you're playing the next son on an opposition team, might be an opportunity to get a skate at you. So I'd say that there was plenty of that in it and that, but... Uh, no, the, the the game that against our Clough that he got the injury in in May 1952 never actually said that that it was anything deliberate or anything like that. But it may have been. I don't know. But it could never. It was never uh, dwelt on that much. Uh, and he played the game and continued. And he played then in June in the match uh, against uh, the the opening against Kerry at the reopening of of Breffney Park. He played that day. Now he didn't. He didn't stick out the full hour, but he did play. But I suppose the thing about it is he, 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 he was, his, his health, he, he had a problem, you know, with the, with, with the pains and with the kidney at the time. And, uh, but there are, some, there are some people, and I said this in the book, he got a, a quite a bad injury in 1948 in the All-Ireland Final against Mayo. Uh, he, he, he came off uh, injured uh, after he got the injury before half time. He played on after half time, but he had to come off, and he uh, he he was unable to lift the cup, the Sam Maguire, with the two hands because one he had one arm in a sling. Now that was along his side he got that, and there's, there's actually I know people, including a, a cousin of his, that would that told me that 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 was the that was an injury that he picked up that time, which. May have may have been the same. He might have got it aggravated sure. against in uh, nineteen fifty two. But there's some that say that it 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 might have been a uh, fall. But again, it's, yeah. it's I don't think anybody can be certain about these things. You know, it's funny because the cover of the book was something that I I was going to ask you about in it. That that I. I see a lot if you if you Google it and lifting Sam Maguire, you never see another yes. player lift Sam Maguire with one hand. Yeah, well, that's yeah. It's, it's well, a rare. There's thing. no picture. It must be forty-eight that because there's no picture of uh, the Sam Maguire in in. Well, he's dressed. He's tugged out there and all. And just you know, there's no picture of him being tugged out holding Sam Maguire in in uh, forty-seven because Sam Maguire wasn't brought to uh, to uh, America. As you know, he wasn't brought to it. So uh, yeah, well, I'm not. Uh, Sure now whether his le- his left arm is is uh, is he, at the time is that the same photo maybe it is the fact that's a good question Damien that, yeah you it, know, the left, he, he definitely 
was injured his left left arm his left collar down right down his side was injured down to his his uh, you know side so yeah you can you, you can another see. very good photograph another very very good photograph in in 48 of course uh, the the there's a group of them Curie Riley and there's a few of them together in it you know so I suppose I'll have to look closely at that one to see is 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 um I think I, have I, it here I think it is in the middle in the middle of the book. It, it is that picture, and as you say, Huey, Huey is in it. It is the nineteen forty-eight. But when you look, ah, yeah, that is the picture. Uh, that's the picture of the that's front. The same, yeah, that's the same picture as the front. Yeah, that's the same picture. And, and, and that's and after the forty-eight can, final. And you can see that he has, you can't see it on the front page of the, on, on yeah. the cover of the book that he has, but yeah. his left hand is clutched right by his side. So it was true injury <coughs> that he was holding Sam Maguire with one hand, but it turned out That's to be true. such an iconic photograph. Uh, yeah, it is an iconic photograph. photograph. That is the photograph and you're right, uh, holding it up with one hand is something you don't, you don't see. And with that photograph with Kiwi Smith, Huey Riley in it and uh, Patsy Lynch. Uh, it's obviously quite soon after the 1948 final, and uh, obviously that's it there again. It's it's uh, on the front. It's the 48 final. So, yeah. yeah. As you said, it's an iconic photo. It it's a lovely photograph, really. Um, you know, a lovely photograph, and uh, it's he is holding it with one hand. So. The left, yeah, he 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 had to he had to receive it with one hand in so much as he could after the game because um, his left arm left was in a in a sling, you know. Yeah, it's it's it. I yeah. suppose within a picture, it can tell a thousand words, but tells a story that not only is he he's clutching his 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 left side with his with his left arm, but holding the Sam Maguire in the right hand and still smiling through the pain of it that it oh, meant so I, much to him and such a man ah yeah it meant a lot obviously well look at it I'll tell you what it meant Damien it meant so much to the Cavan people and players and even the present generation of players they'd all be very conscious of that what victory actually means for supporters and people because in 47 while it meant everything at the time to the Cavan people, the fact that it was played in New York, they couldn't go to it. A bit like now, <laughs> they couldn't go to it. They listened to it and they really couldn't go to it, the Ulster final there. But um, so to have the, uh, the, the opportunity to see the All-Ireland final then in 1948 against Mayo and everybody could go to that, obviously, it was uh, the icing on the cake, shall I say. Yeah, well, look at it. It's it, it, it's storing up thoughts in my head of Thomas Galligan with the cut eye after the Ulster final this yes. year. So maybe maybe the Cavan senior team will take inspiration from forty seven and forty eight and 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 give us all a good day out in twenty. Watch out, please, 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 God, the will, Damien, and they're well equipped to do so with the with the talent and the management they have and what they've achieved this year has been absolutely fantastic and we can't congratulate them enough and and be thankful enough to them and uh, let it be the start of more and uh, let we wish them good luck in the in the year ahead yeah well look George thank you very much for, for taking the time to talk to us it's uh, oh, the, the gallant John Joe Cavan Cavan's Millennium Man it's out in in most shops around Cavan if you're if you're struggling to find it get onto social media there or get in contact with myself and, and we can we can um, let you know where they're for sale but a, a wonderful wonderful read a beautiful hardback edition which I think is a lovely addition to any book but um, George thanks very much and have a happy Christmas and thank you Damien and, and many of them to you and your care Thank you.
all the best. So that brings us to the end of this week's McAvoy Super Value GEA podcast. In fact, this year's McAvoy's Super Value podcast. Um, I want to thank Brady's Arva Limited, your local authorised Volkswagen dealer, for their continued support, as well as McAvoy's Super Value in Virginia. Without those two businesses, we wouldn't be able to bring you this weekly podcast looking over Cavan GEA. And what a year it's been for Cavan GEA. The boys in blue restored the pride in the jersey by bringing home the Anglo-Celt Cup and bringing us to an All-Ireland semi-final where they took on the mighty dubs and, and done us proud in every single outcome or every single thing that they've done throughout the year. Their fundraising efforts, their their um, their, their on-field play was nothing but inspirational and I just want to thank them all for their efforts throughout the year and, and, and wish them the best um, going forward. So, Again, folks, I want to wish you a very, very happy Christmas. It'll be a different one, but it doesn't mean it can't be a good one. And we can enjoy it um, sensibly, looking out for each other. And we look forward to 2021 when hopefully life gets back to normal and we'll be all in the stands in Kingspan Brefty cheering on the boys in blue once again. Yes, it was great. Yes, it was great. Yes, it was great stuff. And Larry has put it over the bar. It was hard, fast football after that. Was there a feeling that that might have been a chance for Cavan to get come back into the big time? And then the cave, and it's over the lap, and Cavan are not buried yet. Cavan doing all they could to hold their lead. To Derek McDonald, what a goal! Oh, yes! And over the bar, Vincent Cahill, what a day he is having! Oh, this is brilliant by Cavan! Dandy-legged farmers walking the roads near Virginia. Hurrah, yeah! Hurrah, yeah! <laughs>